Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, we really wanted to take a deep dive into the Great Resignation and unpack what is truly going out in the job market. We've all seen the statistics from 20 to 70% of people are thinking about quitting their jobs, but what is actually happening out on the ground floor? That's why we invited executive recruiter in the technology space, Mandy Cole, onto the show where she breaks down for us what she's seeing out there in the trenches. Mandy gives us her thoughts on what top talent is looking for in a new role, what leaders can do to retain that top talent, and how you can attract that top talent to your company and ensure that not only are you not losing your top talent, but also you're incredibly and effectively staffing up in this in this amazing time where where literally the top talent is available in the market. It's a great interview, so definitely check that out. Before we jump into the episode, if you're looking to develop leaders at your company and really upskill your company for the leadership skills and strategies and mindset in order to succeed in 2022 and beyond, we are running a Leadership Launchpad project program starting in the end of January 2022. I will drop the program in the podcast notes. If you're interested in that, go there, click the link. It's a 12-week program that blends both online learning with live group sessions and one-on-one group coaching with either Lauren Williams or myself. So definitely you're going to want to get on that because it's an incredible program. We've had some incredible results lately and it's going to be an incredible way for you to kick off your 2022 to grow in this next level way. So for more on that, go to the podcast notes or go over to EliteHighPerformance.com and you can check it out there. For everything else, go to EliteHighPerformance.com or you're welcome to touch base with me, Rob, at EliteHighPerformance.com. We're happy to get you set up in the best way you can. Thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Mandy Cole. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroskin. As always, we have our in-house maverick, Susan Hobson. How are you? I am firing on all cylinders as we make this final descent, right, into the 2021 finish line. Yeah, I'm very excited. We've got just a couple of days left here in the books, and then it's a wrap. Can you believe it? I I can't really believe it, but uh, what I was going to say is if you're a maverick, I should be Iceman. Oh! I, I was literally outside this morning doing my three minutes, and it's minus thirty or so with a wind chill. Holy so, Hannah! So we're getting we're getting into cold up here in Edmonton. Pull out the snowsuits. <laughs> Pull out the snowsuits. That's right, and 
as always, we're going to start with, actually, I'm going to give you a few stats today. Um, oh, let's because, switch it up. Yeah, they, they fit well with our, with our guest. And so the first one I want to give you is from Harvard Business Review. And it says, employees between 30 and 45 years old have the greatest increase in resignation rates with an average increase of more than 20% between 2020 and 2021. Also, resignations are the highest in tech and healthcare. Healthcare, obviously, we could understand why. Yeah, totally. Um, but absolutely, like, burnout is running rampant. And the last stat I'll give you is, according to the U.S. Labor Department, quit rates, so quit, quitting means voluntary, I'm out the door, not being pushed out or retiring. Mm -hmm are up 20 per, 25% since 2017. And the biggest jump has been actually recently, so in the fall here. Mm -hmm. So with all those news and all that turnover, yeah, we have our special guest today. We have Mandy Cole with us, who is an executive headhunter in the tech industry. So Mandy, it's great to have you with us today, and we're hoping that you can shed some light on what's truly happening out in the trenches and in businesses around at least the, the folks you work with. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, there's definitely been um, a huge race, especially in our industry. Like our industry has just kind of taken off where um, you know other industries have unfortunately been shut down, but um, mm -hmm. we have been busier than ever. Um, and especially in the tech space, in the growth stage startups. That's my bread and butter where we work with most of the, most of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in, in software engineering in, in particular, um, the, it's just been insane. So Mandy, so excited to have you on the show. I still remember when you walked through my door. Gosh, how long has it been now? Almost a decade maybe or... Oh, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. But we've known each other, just going to say, for a lot longer than that because yeah. we we played hockey. We got that in common. We got the female hockey thing in common. And I love talking to my former pro athletes, um, especially my leaders, right, who've made that parlay. So just do me a favor before we start to get into unpacking some of what you're seeing. Tell our audience just a little bit about yourself and your background and just how you got on this mission that you're on currently in terms of the executive recruitment? Sure. Yeah. So I played, um, played hockey for university at York university under Dan church. And um, then I played um, in the CWHL, the NW, the original NWHL and then the, right. <laughs> the CWHL. So yeah. um, for a few years, um, probably about 10 years in that, those two weeks too. So um, yeah, so I, I kind of fell into recruitment, you know, um, you know, and a lot of athletes are drawn towards sales oriented roles that, totally. competitive, yeah. that competitive spirit. So, um, you know, I found a great, um, organization that was, um, you know, taught us well and, um, they were tech recruitment. And then I kind of evolved over that into more of the senior level, um, role. So now I'm at, um, GDR, which uh, works with um, growth stage startups across Canada, and um, we focus um, solely on engineering. Yeah, pretty much. 
And what is, uh, in working with all of these leaders now today, I'm just curious to explore what leadership means to you. Yeah, so leadership, I guess a few things come to mind. Like um, for, for me, leadership means, you know, um, growing and, and mentoring, um, you know, junior people and, and, and making more leaders. <laughs> just yes. for, you know, that's kind of, um, you know, my gauge of a leader. And, and um, you know, the leader here that owns um, GDR, he's, he's been great at that and fostering that and, um, you know, giving a lot of people a lot of autonomy and, um, and kind of letting yourself flourish, which, which is great. So it's a, you know, great to learn from him. And, um, and that's, you know, in my areas and in, in the roles that I've worked on as a leader and, and having people underneath me, um, is the same thing. Like, you know, I think, um, your success as a leader is how many people get promoted that have been on your team. I love that metric. That totally works for me. Hey, what about you, Rob? <laughs> yeah, I love it too. And, Mandy, Susan mentioned it a little bit. What mission are you on? Ooh. Oh, my mission. Um, you know what? My mission is really like just to make great connections with smart people. And, you know, in my role, I get um, it's great because I get both sides. So I work with leaders. So I work with directors, VPs, CTOs to build their teams and to mm-hmm you know, scale their startups, like they have these big dreams and working with co-founders and, and being able to help them build teams with smart people and um, to really take them to the next level. And then also the candidate side where you're helping somebody um, who's looking for a career change. Um, sometimes they're not looking for a career change and you've bring, you bring these great opportunities to them and it put that bug in their ear, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's part of the job too. But um you know, and really kind of guiding them and, and you know, making sure that, um, you know, the opportunities that you're presenting to them is really a step up for them. And it's not going to, you know, it's really going to open doors for them. And since you're working with all these young tech startups, I feel like you must be working with some younger leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes some leaders that have never, you know, a lot of them that we work with now are you know, they've had successful startups before. So they've done, like, this isn't their first, you know. Rodeo. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we have worked with some, some uh, leaders that, you know, might not have even led a team before. They're just, you know, they had a really, really smart idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're embarking on this, um, you know. So we do have that, um, you know, we bring our, our, um, our expertise and our experience in the industry and building teams. And we kind of help them, um, with what we see and what we've done. And, um, you know, we can kind of help them and, um, you know, crafty them in a process or recruitment process, or how do you, um, build the team or how do we go about this? And, and, you know, they rely on us as an actual like extension of them and, and, uh, a true partnership, not just a transactional, um, you, you know, agency type, um, situation. So you're kind of leadership coaching them. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we do, yeah. Right, because I think that's, that's I talk about that a lot, you know, with uh, my high achievers, it takes brick walls or glass ceilings to get my folks to walk through the door or pick up the phone and ask for help and support in this area. And the glass ceilingers are often these young, you know, leaders who've been on these crazy growth trajectories because they got, you know, in on the ground floor of these amazing startup ideas, right? But oftentimes that glass ceiling is the fact that they don't know how to how to lead 
at that scale. They don't know how to lead right at that level. And so I think that that's something I'm really curious to explore, you know, aside from you stepping in and giving them that sort of heads up or mentorship, what are these young leaders doing to make sure that they upskill in this way? Are they soliciting further resources for that? What are you seeing in the trenches? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, a lot of them too have signed up for leadership, um, corporate leadership um, um, courses. And, you know, um, GDR used to have a leadership coaching um, arm. Um, mm-hmm. They're still like, they're really successful. Um, and um, they, you know, go in and they help um, all their managers from like, you know, it could be team leads that have just started out managing up to VP level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they help, um, they go in and such as yourself, you've done it before as well, mm-hmm. um, where they kind of, you know, go to outside sources to help um, level up their team and, and, you know, give that feedback, how to get the most out of the team and how to, um, how to get different personalities to respond. And then especially it's more, even more so now when you have this remote world where, you know, some people are having their first leadership role and their whole team is remote, you know? So, you know, how do you get that engagement when you're not seeing everybody every day? That's a great question. And I know Rob, you're going to lean into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh Uh I first off, I know it's possible, and I think a lot of folks don't believe it's possible. Totally. So that's the first thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's possible because I've never met Susan in person, mm-hmm. um, and so that's possible. Um, and then the second side of it is it takes effort and yeah. it takes deliberacy, mm-hmm. right? And I guess, Mandy, what what would you say about it? Like, what are some of the successful Mm -hmm. folks that you're seeing out there doing? Yeah, so we actually, um, so GDR puts on this um, tech conference um, with, in partnership with a a few um, large startups like Shopify is is one of the um, the leaders there helping um, organize that. And um, we talked about this um, in the conference and, and how people get engagement and how people grow their teams remotely. And, um, and like you said, it, it comes down to effort and what the leaders are, are um, doing to keep you engaged and to get you in, and make you feel like you're part of the team. And for that, like, you know, engineering, um, they're, um, you know, a little bit of a different breed. You think hockey players are a different breed, you know, but software engineers are the same. So they've even um, come up with um, um, different events they do through the week or, you know, to replace meetings. Um, Some of them do virtual. um, I think one company did a virtual escape room with their team. And yeah, yeah. I don't know how they, I want to work at that company. That's awesome. Other, other companies were talking about, um, doing, instead of doing a meeting on zoom, they did it through like a video game where everybody had an avatar like in the, like in a video game. And so, um, so they didn't have to be on camera. They had their little avatar that they made and that's what they had their meeting on. That's amazing. creative things that um, yeah totally fun and not just have you know um, meetings upon meetings on video all the time because I think that's that's a a big thing of burnout right now is just the monotony yeah people are like you know and kind of um, a little tired of the video meetings 
Yeah, I think it's the the number one thing that we're up against in all these extensive lockdown periods is the need for novelty is totally deficit. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day, right? Everybody kept saying that. It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. But I think that's what I'm leaning on my leaders to explore, right? Is the, the outside the box thinking in terms of some of those creative ways that you could actually still, you know, spend time, you know, getting to see your people, know your people, be with your people. But, uh, but yeah, I just think gamification, that's just like one of the coolest ways to do that, right? Because it is, it's like edutainment. Yeah. Is that what they call it, <laughs> right? It's like, so yeah, I think that's a great strategy in terms of engagement remotely. I want to ask you, since you're working with a lot of these young startup companies and you're seeing a lot of the younger leaders that are running them, um, and then you contrast that to the stat that Rob threw on the table at the start of this show, which is the fact that, you know, the 30 to 45 age range is the one that's seeing the greatest turnover in terms of this great resignation piece. So why do we think that is? Why is that happening in the 30 to 45 range, in your opinion, from what you're seeing in the trenches? Well, I think there's a few, there's a few areas that I see um, that, um, you know, look to that. The 30 to 45 um, range are people with, usually people starting out with small families. Totally. Um, they've got young kids. And when you go into the more executive levels and the more demanding jobs and, and also the senior level engineering roles that might, um, you know, be typical to work 14, 14 hour days, um, like overnight, a COVID has forced people to spend more time with their kids than they've ever had probably. Right. You know I mean, they've been traveling a lot. Like they've got a lot of commitments. They've worked late hours Yeah. and that was the norm. But then COVID turned that around and they're home every day with their kids mm -hmm. and sometimes working with their kids in the background because they're, they're not, we're not school. And so for some people that might be a stressor, but for other people, they're like, now, now that um, companies are going back to the office, you know, they're reevaluating saying, you know, I don't want to lose that time with my kids that I have. Exactly. And another thing too is, is I can't speak to the U S I can only speak to Canada because it's just a trend that I'm seeing right now, but um, U S tech companies um, opening offices in Canada through once COVID, like they were doing this before COVID mm -hmm. moving to Toronto yeah. And um, starting engineering hubs here, mm -hmm. but um, COVID just accelerated that because they don't need physical office space. Mm. So they kind of, they can build their teams and then worry about office space later. Mm. Um, so you saw this huge boom of U.S. companies coming to Canada and building engineering teams here and location didn't matter. And so they're paying U.S. prices and U.S. salaries mm. to Canadians. Wow. So the so the salaries um, for engineering folks in Canada have just skyrocketed, probably twenty to thirty percent higher. Wow! And they were already trajecting up um, before COVID, but now right. it's the last year. It's like we've seen these salaries we haven't seen like before. Yeah. It's, like it's in it's insane. Like people. Young kids, Waterloo grads coming out of school are getting six figures for their wow. first job. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's a little insane. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to what Rob and I have really just been trying to make a case for, which is the competitive landscape has completely changed two years into this disruption. 
Yeah. And that's what we're trying to catch our folks up to, right? It's like, we're playing by a different set of rules now, folks. And so if you don't get that playbook and start upskilling and retraining your leaders in terms of what those new plays need to be from a recruitment engagement, retention standpoint, optimization standpoint, these are all the different layers that we're looking at, you know? Yeah. You're going to get left behind. You're just not going to be able to compete. You're going to drown, right? Right. Yeah. And I think COVID just like, you know, any big event like this, um, it's just people reevaluate what's important to them. That's it. And, you know, working all the time and not getting time with your family and, and maybe even the thought of going back to a three hour commute every day is, you know, nobody's going to do that anymore. <laughs> Not after this that. disruption and homeschool and everything else. Right? Yeah, nobody, you know, nobody's yeah. going to do that anymore. Like the, the Monday to Friday, 40 hours a week is not, not yeah. going to fly anymore in the office. So yeah. um, the companies that are trying to do that and bring people back into the office full time, um, they're going to lose people. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting a lot of pushback. And coming off of that, Mandy, like I was reading an article the other day that said this is the first time in at least the survey's history that basically work-life balance has overtaken salary in terms of what workers want. And and you're saying like salaries are going crazy. Like what do what is the other side of the equation? Like what are the people who are filling those roles actually value more or what do they value? Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? Yeah. So I think it, it goes um, to ways. Some people are just motivated by money and, you know, they'll just take the highest offer that they get. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them hold out on, and because um, people are working remotely, you they're interviewing at so many different companies because they have, the availability to do that because everything's virtual. They don't have to commute to an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so before where somebody might be only interviewing at a couple of different places, like now it's like five or six different places. So, you know, they might have four or five offers come in that they're debating on. And sometimes it is just money and then they'll just take the highest one. Others, um, you know, I'm finding a lot more now that um, people are looking at the company as a whole, looking at what the company does, like they want their next job to make an impact. They want the company that they're going to work for is doing good things for humanity, for um, whatever they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just working with somebody right now who's got an offer at a company who um, they're, they're changing the whole like um, genome game, like being able to detect, detect genetic um, diseases um, through AI and machine learning. Like, wow. like, so to be able to, you know, it's just they're, they're, the people that we work with are very, very smart in the, the products that they have and the, the um, you know, the ideas that they have, like, is just, it, it's insane. It's like, and it's going to be, you know, a game changer. So some people look at money, some people look at what they're going to be doing, whether, what are their, and especially in engineering, what are the challenges that they're going to meet? What are the problems they're going to solve? And, um, and then others are again, like work-life balance. What are the benefits? What is outside of the salary? Like how, like unlimited vacation, um, you know, health spending accounts. Some, some companies do, you can work anywhere in the world for a week. They'll pay for, um, they'll pay for you a hotel for anywhere in the world for you to work a week or a month or so 
people are getting competitive on their different perks. It's not just the games room that they have in the office anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Google, right. It was like the gold yeah. standard because they had the games room, the cafeteria, the right. Exercise yeah. And right. meditation space. Yeah. The things that were hidden to make you not leave that place. Right. Like the snap, the nap pods and the, the yeah. personal chef. So that you yeah. never have to leave the office. Yeah, those yeah, don't yeah. fly anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we interviewed one of my executives on this show, uh, Genevieve, if you remember back in the spring, Rob. Um, and we were talking about that because, you know, she's in the marketing space, the digital marketing space. And I think she's seen a huge battle with uh, this great resignation because of the fact that they can't retain based on the perks anymore. And so she, they're, they're, drastically having to pivot and adapt their acquisition strategies, right? To catch up to the fact that, yeah, what do, what do people value if they're not at the office or they can't go out to the fancy dinners, right? Or take clients to the Leafs game or the Raptors game or. Yeah. So yeah, it is. So, yeah. Higher salaries and, and, you know, different perks that like pertain to them personally, not just like a team thing, like, you know, mm-hmm. getting free lunches don't really, um, you know, I know, I know some companies that give um, um, give their employees still, um, you know, food delivery. Yeah, yeah. vouchers and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't matter as much anymore. It's more the vacation time, work life balance, and the higher salaries to make up for that. And the challenge I heard you say, especially working with engineers, our smart engineers, right? They actually value challenge they need challenge and so I think we're seeing with a lot of these tech companies that they are the younger talent is really starting to look for organizations that have some sort of a PDP uh, account like a personal development account or a professional development account or some sort of incentive in and around providing opportunities for their growth right right Which is, again, an intrinsic value. I think that's the biggest shift that we're seeing is a move from the extrinsic to the intrinsic motivation. Yeah. And I think it's great. And, and, you know, you see it in engineers because I think it's just innate in them that like that growth growth mindset is like they, you know, they want to keep getting better. They don't want to stay with the same technologies for years at a time. They want to learn new technologies. They want to solve new problems. They don't just want to be working um, monotonously on the same thing over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. It's boring. (laughs) If we're not growing, we're dying, right? (laughs) What about some of the things that you're seeing, Mandy, in terms of the the feedback you're getting in regards to the places they don't want to work? You know what I mean? Like any of those kind of toxic, destructive leadership aspects? Are you seeing any of that in the trenches? Are you hearing about any of that? Because, you know, we've been talking about how burnout is the most rampant it's ever been. Disengagement is the highest it's ever been. And we're looking at the connection or correlation between that and, and the leaders and the leadership strategies in those organizations. So what what about that aspect or that side of the fence? Yeah, you definitely um, you definitely see that. And that's mostly people who come to me and say, I need something else. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's usually the reason why. Um, and then we, you know, we as recruiters um, tend to say, okay, well, that company, let's go talk to more people from that company. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, people um, leave companies when they're not challenged. And, and that probably the number one reason is, is leadership. Um, you know, people want to be able to 
be trusted and uh, work on their own and get things, be trusted to get things done their own way mm-hmm. and, um, and not be micromanaged. So um, especially, you know, old, like senior level people or, or people that aren't, you know, just starting out, you know, people just starting out are just thriving to get somebody to mentor them and to, to learn as fast as possible. But for the people we work with, the senior engineers and the leaders, you know, even our v- director and VP, right. If they had to have good leadership, they want to move. So, um, you know, even, um, they're not going to stick around if they don't have good leadership. So let's like, let's talk about those folks, like the executive okay. level. So like I had a few stats from specifically CEOs, but we can talk about the executive level as a whole. And basically what it's saying is that the CEO turnover has increased. And so they're saying that in 2020, there was 49 CEOs or sorry, the second half of 2020, 49 CEOs turned over. And basically this year it's double that. So 103 CEOs. So I guess, what are you seeing at the executive level and why are those folks leaving their roles? Yeah, I think um, it comes down to what we've already talked about and and people are reevaluating what's important to them. And especially that C-level, that level is that, you know, number one, they've probably spent more time with their families in the last two years than they ever have because Mm -hmm. they've been so used to being um, on the road. a CEO, right? They're usually in a startup world. A CEO is usually the one that's selling everything, right? That they're the ones going to try to um, knock on doors and yeah. you know get funding and you know really put their product out there. Um, so you know they're not at home a lot. They're they're extremely busy. So um, I think that and um, and again the impact they have, like you know maybe they find themselves at a company that they're not really passionate about anymore. They want to. Um, go and grow a new company or um, I think too with C-levels there's usually like um, you know in the in the startup world there's like um, different levels like you might be a CEO that's really great for um, in from day one to say 100 employees and you get them to that level and then you kind of you know as the company is growing and scaling and, and it's kind of off to the races you're kind of like well you know, I don't want to go and build something else. Like, so, um, and then there's a, the CEO that's really good at um, building that company from like 400 people to tens of thousands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's different levels that might be your strengths um, in your skill set. So you find sometimes um, the turnover rate between um, CEOs is just due to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also in like CTOs like and in sales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they take a company to a certain level and then they find that that is their sweet spot. That's where they're really good at at building in that, that stage. And then they move on to a, a younger a startup to help build them. Um, you know, again, just feeding that, you know, that drive and what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. I love this idea of understanding your sweet spot. You know, if your sweet spot is zero to a hundred or 400 to 10,000, like, Let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, it's interesting as a leadership coach. I just think, you know, if you get to that point of where you're at 100 and you're hitting that glass ceiling, I think that's the opportunity to up-level, right? So are you seeing that the preference amongst the CEOs rather than up-leveling is just to find a different locker room that fits those criteria? 
Or well, I think because um, things um, like the way you build the company, right? It changes as it grows. Like there's different needs that the company has. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're a founder and that is your baby and the, that was your idea and you're now the CEO, then yeah, of course, you're not going to be leaving anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're, your company is going well, but so, so that stat might be for more like companies that are, um, you know, enterprise level companies that change CEOs quite often. I'm not right. sure where that stat came from, but, um, but yeah, what we find is, you know, and my experience in tech sales as well as specifically, um, we've worked with a lot of like VP and head of sales that um, their sweet spots are within like certain revenue growth. And then once mm-hmm. they hit that spot, they usually tend to to move on and grow another company because that's just what drives them. That's what gets them up to do this every day is, is to yeah. really like, you know, hit that, make that company go to a ne- to another level. Right, right. That's, that's the ticket for them. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm curious to just understand a little bit more in terms of, you know, if you are one of these people um, who is scaling one of these startups and you start to get to that 100-person mark, like at what point did these startups start looking for executives or leaders on the people front? When do they really start to look for that you know, acquiring that type of talent? And are these tech companies recognizing that need? Especially given everything we're talking about today, which yeah, is all about yeah. the people. Yeah. No, we um, we work with companies um, through all different um, like funding um, areas, but the majority of companies that like really you see their big growth stage where they might be doubling their um, their employees for that year is mm-hmm. um, like the Series B, Series C funding, where they um, they kind of really invest in their people and building out their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so our Series A f- companies are pretty small. They they only have a few engineers, so they really focus on um, talent over quantity. You know, like they don't want to mm-hmm. build quality. Yeah. yeah, they just want the best that they can find that can really get this thing going and off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that will, once they have that product built, um, then they can go to VCs and, and keep. Um, but the the amount of um, venture capital funding that is being thrown at these companies it's insane, insane. Well, I think the market reflects that, right? And I think that's yeah, where like like some mm-hmm. people are like some of these companies are like raising hundreds of millions of dollars in one round of funding. Money is cheap now. I literally had two two guys that I went to college with that were in my frat house raised two hundred million dollars um, for one of the space companies that they founded. Uh, wow! It was like a few weeks ago, um, and another company, another well, he was older than me, but he raised was over a hundred million to start a private equity firm. So money is there. Money is cheap these days. <laughs> yeah, money is there. And I think it's from what you're reporting today, tech has never been busier. The mm. acceleration is real. So yeah. obviously that's where a lot of the biggest opportunities are going to be for these investors. So I think that makes total sense. But you are seeing even in the tech space, you know, especially since these tech companies are empowering their people to autonomously work from home and have a better work-life balance, you are seeing that they are identifying the need to make sure that they're still taking care of their people and they have somebody that's leading that charge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they do need to keep them, they still engage because, you know, if they do get disengaged, they're going to start to look around again. But uh 
Exactly. I think the, the companies that we with, we work with, we haven't really had too much of a problem um, with that. Like we, and we are, um, you know, we are just strategic with who we work with and um, we want to believe sure. in the leaders that we work with and the, mm-hmm. the teams that we're building. So we are pretty um, selective on who we work with um, because we want to make sure that the people that we're driving there are really going to have a good time and it's really going to, um, you know, accelerate their career. So you are checking and vetting and qualifying that these leaders are 2.0 leaders, new school leaders. They see their people. They create safe spaces for their people. They engage their people. They're taking care of their people. Those are the types of companies that you align with or the types of leaders of the organizations that you guys align with. I love that. So, Mandy, I want to go back to the beginning where you mentioned that you help these leaders assemble teams. Like, do you have any tips that you could share with the audience around how would you, or how do you recommend people assemble teams? Yeah. So that's not really like, that's not really my like expertise. Like I, I give my opinions to, to what, um, you know, what I see and, and what I, um, but we don't, you know, I personally don't go in and say like, you know, you need this many junior, this many senior. We kind of just, we, we go to them. We, we see what their roadmap looks like, um, what they're trying to achieve and what they need to achieve. And then we kind of advise, like, you know, what does the market say and, and what, you know, what's available in the market and, um, and kind of advise them that way. From a talent perspective, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So they internally, they kind of figure out, you know, what their roadmap looks like and, and how many, what size of teams they want. And then we kind of help them um, with what the market says and, and what's available and where the talent is. And if you are one of these younger top talents, the 30 to 45ers who are leaving these organizations that are not recognizing what they need, um, and you were to give them some suggestions or tips or strategies in terms of how to best position themselves, you know, what would that advice be? Yeah, I think, um, you know, to advocate for themselves and, you know, um, I think, you know, not just apply to a, a job on, you know, a job ad and just say, hey, I applied, you know, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. you know, it is competitive out there too, you know, so, um, you know, advocating for yourself. And, um, you know, working with somebody like me where we can advocate for you as, as well. I think sometimes um, with the big recruitment agencies out there, um, sometimes tech recruiters can get a bad rap. But if you go to an experienced recruiter, it can really change your whole job search. <laughs> and, and they can, you know, we can advocate for you. We can um, help you negotiate salary. We can let you know what you should push on, what you shouldn't, you know, to make a good impression. Mm-hmm. So um, we kind of guide you um, throughout the way, but um, but yeah, I think the times where you just send your resume in and hope for the best is kind of over. You you have to advocate for yourself. You have to reach out to whoever that you know. Figure out who the hiring manager is on LinkedIn. Send them a message. You know, tell them that you're interested in their company and tell them why. Um, you know, it's it's amazing how many people even now that you know sometimes I put forward it's like you know, they go into an interview and they haven't even interviewed the company. They haven't even looked up the company yet. Like, boy, you know what I mean? So um, it's like going to walk on campus to meet with a coach and saying, what school is this again? You guys have lucky, right? (laughs) No, it's surprising. It's surprising that people are just like, oh, you know, they need talent and I'm a good engineer. But um, 
So I think, you know, working with an experienced recruiter, we can help you with that. You know, some people aren't good at interviews. Some people, you know, have a lot of trouble. Um, So we can help guide that. We can help them prepare. We can give them tips on what they should be doing. So um, I think if you are somebody who is looking to make a career move, like working with an experienced recruiter is is, uh, definitely only going to help you. Yep. We all need leadership in every single realm. Right, Rob? (laughs) I always just going to ask, like, I've had a number of recruiters reach out to me or worked with a few over my career. What would you recommend the folks? Like, how do you identify who's a great recruiter? Ooh, what do we look like? What do we look for in you guys? That's a great question. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, there's a few things you need. You need a recruiter that's engaged that, um, that, you know, follows up with you is, is a good communicator. Um, you know, you don't just send your resume over to them um, and then you never hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the amount of information they give you um, for a job, you know, you, you, you get some, some recruiters that might just send you like, some generic, like I have this company in this space and uh, like yeah. super vague. <laughs> or, or a link to a website. Yeah. Like, here's <laughs> yeah. the, you know, here's some job ID number that you have no idea what it is. And the, you know, like if you're interested and just give you a title. Yeah. So I think, you know, common sense goes into it, but um, number one, I will always tell you who I, who the company is I'm working with. Um, I will always tell you what the job is. And I'll always tell you what I think from your LinkedIn profile makes you a good fit for this role, (laughs) you know? So I've actually looked at your LinkedIn profile, actually looked at your skills and, you know, sometimes, you know, like profiles are vague. So I have to kind of just, you know, get some uh, information from them, but you know, I will always have at least two conversations with you before I even put you forward for the job. And I will go through your, I'll do a full interview with you and make sure I know every little bit of your career so that I can properly represent you to the client. Um, so people aren't, if recruiters aren't doing that and not, not, you know, you're not really talking to them. They don't, and they don't ask you questions about your, your history and what you're good at, what your strengths are. And they're just sending, you know, they're just asking for your resume to send it into the company. Like that's not really like you could do that yourself. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> you know what I That's love it, about it does uh, have yeah. more than more. Well, I know you know Mandy. Absolutely, it happens yeah. a lot. Like, I I love the whole bag. Like, go, oh, don't tell them who the client is because then they'll go in in uh, apply directly. Like, no, I'm I'm giving you added value. I'm giving, um, you know, That's I'm okay. I'm glad I'm letting you know. Um, like I know these leaders. I know that if you give me your resume and I properly vet you and make sure that this is a role that's good for you, not just good for the company. Um, then, you know, I'm sending your resume directly to the hiring manager, not to some, you know, ATS machine that you yeah, yeah. Even if they've even read it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about this in terms of the strategies that you're laying out, it perfectly exemplifies leadership 2.0. It's exactly the same thing. We're always preaching on this, this, this uh, show about, right. Is like, just, care and show them that you care. And how do you show people you care? You look into them, you find out about them, right? And yeah, your job is to make sure you see, you become an expert in their value. And obviously you're an expert in the value that they're looking for. So that positions you perfectly, right? To be able to make that that introduction in a really strategic way. 
Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I also, I can prove to you that I have a good relationship with the client and um, I do that by making sure that I get information on every single interview um, aspect and helping you prepare. Like I can tell you what you should read up on. I can tell mm. you what, like, you know, generic, what types of questions they're going to ask. Like I, I can bring that added value to make you more confident going into the interviews. I love it. You add value to your people, your people will always add that value back, right? And it's totally reciprocal. And that's what we love about relationship-centric leadership, right? Absolutely. And I actually just two weeks ago had um, the very first person I placed when I was right out of school, like like first job, first place. Wow. Um, He randomly randomly called me up and he uh, told me that... um, I, that job completely changed his trajectory of his whole career and his whole life. <laughs> How did that feel? Amazing. It was like the best feeling ever. That's like why we do it. Right. So like 10 years ago, this guy called me up after 10 years Yeah. and told me that, yeah, that he, that that one job that like just like saved his marriage and was able to like up his career. And, um, you know, he was able to travel around the, all of North America, like for different jobs. And he never would have got those skills if he didn't go to that job. Ah, uh, see, that's also why relationship centric leadership is where it's at, because that fulfillment that you experience on the other side of that experience, right. And the fact that he's calling you back up after all of these years, that relationship goes the distance because you establish such a bedrock of trust by showing up and delivering that value in the way that you did and caring as much as you did. Totally makes a case for everything we're all about here at the Leadership Launchpad Project, but it also leads me in the direction of being curious as to this legacy factor, right? Because this is obviously what we're talking about here is just the meaningful impact, not only that you're having on your clients, but also the, the impact that obviously is at the core of what people are looking for right now, right? Is work that matters, work that has that positive ripple effect out into the world. So Mandy, what do you want your legacy to be leading in this 2.0 way in the recruitment space? Yeah, um, I think really just honestly, um, being known as a good person, just, you know, just anybody who's worked with me, I want them to have a positive experience. You know, I work with a lot of people that don't even get the job, you know, but um, people who um, would have no hesitation to come back to me and and ask for help. And um, I think just being able to help people um, with their careers and help team help, you know, leaders build their teams and just have a positive impact. That's that's really all I care about. Kind of felt felt like I knew you'd say that, as I know you so well. <laughs> love it. I, I love it. And, and Mandy, obviously, if there's any folks out there that are looking either in tech space to get a new role or they're looking to hire some folks in the tech space, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, um, my email is just mandy at grossmandorland.com, but I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and they can, they can find me there, um, under GDR. Awesome. So we'll drop Mandy's LinkedIn in the podcast notes. You can find her there. Obviously for us, we really appreciate you listening and hit subscribe to leadership launchpad project on your favorite podcast platform. 
And if you could drop us a rating and review, we would so appreciate it. We would also really appreciate it if you shared it with any leaders in your life. Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? I'm just so fulfilled having this conversation confirms everything that we've been talking about each week this year as we call it a wrap on 2021. I feel like this was the best possible way to close up shop before holidays, right? It's just a real testimony in and around why this type of legacy leadership 2.0 strategy is absolutely here to stay. I think that has been the biggest silver lining in all of this disruption. And Mandy here today confirms it for us from the recruitment side. So I couldn't be happier. How about you, sir? (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And I mean, obviously, I forgot to mention that for us, everything that you need from us, go to EliteHighPerformance.com. If you're looking to train your leaders or develop your leaders, that's all there. Um, For me, I think this illustrates the value of having support. And you could look at Mandy as a coach. She is coaching and connecting you with the role that you want to play. And often I think we, we grow up and we're adults and we don't believe there's values in a coach or we don't know what that value would be. And I think you heard it today, the value that having Mandy as a coach would provide. And I hope you hear the value that that we would provide for your leadership team. And I think it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get help. And it may take you further than you know is possible. I think it's the only way to compete in this new competitive landscape, in fact. That's what is going to change the way the game of life and business is being played forever, right? Is like this whole leadership 2.0 mission that we started at the start of this show, the start of the pandemic was all about our belief in the power of relationship-centric leadership. But I think you can only go so far on your own, people. That's so 1.0. Take it from us team sport athletes here in the locker room today. <laughs> this is the biggest thing we distilled based on our athletic experience, right? It's like the more support you had in that locker room, right? The more championships you were able to win as a team. Teamwork makes the dream work. So let's let's go win some championships. Mandy. Woo! Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Mandy. Thank you. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone.